The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. What was your reaction when Tommy Fans I ain't talking about fans football. I, it, I don't even know. You know, it, it's just one of the things. It's uh, you know, everybody's competitive. Everybody loves fantasy football. Who doesn't? So. Have you been caught off guard with this like a week long story and all that? I think it's you guys dragging it on. <laughs> uh, so you know, I talked to Tommy. I talked to Jock. Everybody in the that was part of it. You know, just passionate about fantasy uh, football. So. What's that? Am I going to resign? Uh, I haven't made a decision. I don't know. (laughs) Every commissioner I know always gets food. Truer words never spoken than what came from Mike Trout, the commissioner of the Fantasy Football League, that sparked not fisticuffs, slapicuffs, between a couple of Major League Baseball players. We haven't talked about that yet this week. I know. Yeah, right there, Chris, getting that, the Sorry. last. You, you, are you doing in. baseball signs? Is that what we're doing? Am I supposed yeah, to take right, or right. swing you're, away? You're uh, steal the base. Steal the base. Go, go. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, this all started over the weekend. A guy named Tommy Pham, who I'd never heard of before this weekend, slapped a guy named Jock Peterson, who I also had never heard of. I'd heard of Mike Trout. I will say that. But they got into a uh, a pregame melee, a brouhaha, a fracas, and it turned out it was over a lingering dispute regarding fantasy football, something about players being put on IR and this, that, and the other thing, and Fam got suspended for three games, and he talked some smack about Trout being a horrible commissioner, and Trout says every commissioner that I know of always gets booed, and it just shows how big football is. Think about that, That's how football exactly right. infiltrates right. every other sport to the point where the biggest story in baseball is how two players got into a fight because they are so passionate about, and I think money has something to do with it, that angle hasn't been fully explored about their fantasy football league. 
No, it, it, it does. That's actually the first thing I thought of, was just, a man, football is so king that baseball is having a football fight about fantasy football. Uh, it, it is. It's pretty amazing. You know, there's a lot of things there. I mean, yeah, the, the passion for the sport, I don't know. You know, again, Jock Peterson, I know it's not the greatest quality video there, but, like, it doesn't even look like he's kind of looking at him in the direction. You know, just, I don't know. We've gotten to this point in society where it's like, I don't like what you said, and I'm going to beat you up or slap you or shoot you with a gun. That's what's crazy, too. And also, let me just say this, too. I'm so sick of sports players going, you know, this is a story because of you guys. No, 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 no. Shut up. Like, I love Mike Trout. He's the man. He's one of the greatest of all time. I'm so sick of hearing sports athletes go, it's a story because of you guys. No, no, no. It's a story because of you guys. You guys acted like 12-year-olds on a football, on a baseball field fighting over fantasy football. Yes, we're going to talk about it. Shut up, athletes, with that stuff right now. I'm so sick of hearing that from athletes. Sorry. Well, and I will say help this. It. If anything, no, that's fine because you're right. They always blame us as if. Like, it's like Lamar Jackson last week when he told exactly. us to find something better to talk about. No, we're not going to find anything better to talk about because this is the thing we talk about. Now, the reality is with baseball, if you would give us something more exciting during your 778-game season to talk about, it may overcome the one unusual thing that happens when a couple of guys slap each other over fantasy football. But it is a story because people are interested in it. It's unusual. It's unprecedented. You know the first thing I thought of when I heard about it over the weekend, Chris? I have wondered for years when we're going to find out about a very high-stakes fantasy football league among football players, among football players, and when that's going to become a thing, a scandal, a question of whether or not somebody missed a tackle, not because he had a momentary lapse in his physical abilities, but because he needed that guy to gain the last few yards and get into the end zone. I keep waiting for that scandal. I feel like it is a news cycle away. And when you see something as crazy and unexpected as two baseball players getting into a slap fight over fantasy football, I would have expected news of the high stakes fantasy football league among football players sparking some sort of controversy before that one. So that was the first thing I thought of because I've been waiting and waiting to hear about one of these ultra-high-stakes, big-money fantasy football leagues in football, not in some other sport. Yeah, no, I, I mean, listen, I, I don't doubt that that time comes at some point. It, it'll be interesting. It's gotten so popular. The one thing I'll say is I think players get exhausted of fantasy football. I do. You know, just the fact that everywhere you go, right, we hear players kind of complain about it all the time. That's all they hear about. Oh, you guys lost today? Wait, but did you do good for my fantasy team? Oh, I didn't really care about your team and your life and that you're down, you lost. Did you just did you get me 100 yards rushing today? And that's I do think players get exhausted from that to where it's it's not as I don't I haven't noticed football players, Mike, honestly just being around them have anybody yet that's like kind of into it. I haven't noticed it. Maybe that's, you know, again, not that I'm around the league and players all the time, but I'm around enough of them to where I don't think it's caught on that way. We'll see if it goes somewhere now, you know, with this just the growing popularity. I think they're smart enough to be discreet about it. Then again, I would have never expected Calvin Ridley to use his own phone to put bets on a game last year either. So if they are doing it, if they are doing it, all it takes is one guy to say or do something stupid and we find out about it. Maybe that's the best proof that it's not happening. There isn't that one guy who's been dumb enough or indiscreet enough to make it known to the world 
that there is a major high-stakes fantasy football ring, or one of the guys who finds out about it, who isn't involved about it, decides to say something to someone, and they say something to someone, and you know how it goes. Hey, don't tell anybody. Okay, I won't. I'll tell one person, and I'll tell that person not to tell anybody. And they'll say, fine, I won't, and then they'll tell one person, and that's how everything gets around. That's how the world works. That's been a truth for everyone since they were five years old. Everything you're told not to tell anybody, you're very tempted to tell one person to. Now, sometimes confidences are kept. I'm not saying it happens all the time, but something like that would get around through that mechanism, I believe, if it's happening. So maybe 100%. it's not happening. Guys in a locker maybe room, it's there's not no happening. way. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think it's happening right now. And if it is, it's low level, but it would get around. You, you're right. There's no way they would be able to keep that secret. Guys would be talking and too boisterous in the locker room all the time, just like you're seeing here with these boys in a locker room. Same type of thing. What I missed about this was, wasn't there a gif that, like, Tommy Pham did or didn't like? Is this what it was? Here it is. Okay. He was on the Padres yeah. at the time. I got that. And so this is what actually pissed off Tommy Pham. Is this the one? Yep. I don't get it. What's the joke? What am I missing? Just because the the Padres weren't any good? That's what it was? It was a, it was a slap at the Padres? It has nothing to do... They also oh, they collapse. See, I don't know anything about what's going on in baseball. Yeah. So, so right. it's there was a, a a smack talking unrelated to fantasy football that in some way upset Tommy Pham because Jock Peterson sent that gift to Tommy Pham when Peterson was a Dodger and Pham was a Padre. I mean, are you like so, that, that makes it even worse? I mean, this this yeah. this pissed you off of all things in the world. This is what pissed you off: a girl getting hit in the back of the head by a weighted. You know, a weighted whatever uh, kettlebell, and her falling down like that's that personal and that crazy. That that just it seems off. There's got to be more to that well, story. To your point from earlier in the program, we have become, frankly, in many respects, a nation of assholes, where Definitely. we are willing yeah. to confront people and Walk say whatever we want to say and Oscars. get in somebody's yeah. face and slap somebody at the Oscars and be hostile and belligerent and mean all the time instead of kind and understanding and loving. And, yeah, what a shock that plants the seeds for what was at least three mass shootings last night. You get to the point where you can't keep up with them. There aren't enough news channels out there to keep up with them. There aren't enough websites out there to keep up with all the shootings. They're flashing everywhere. It really is an epidemic, and we don't want to start down that path again, but we kind of have. And, you know, it's funny because I woke up this morning as evidenced by the fact that I'm here, but I, I had about 20 minutes, so I was able to do a quick copy-paste snarky comment and uh, get a little work. I like to get a story posted if I can before the show gets started. It makes me feel like my day has begun before my day actually begins, and I put on Morning Joe as I do every morning. I usually watch it after the show, but I was able to watch about 20 minutes, and the first block was devoted to the 70th anniversary of the Queen's reign in England. And my first thought was, give me a break. Like, why do we still cling to this idea of royalty when there's no power? There's really no point. There's no purpose. It's just a really rich and wealthy family that continues to persist in the public eye, even though there's no real substance to it. And I say that to set up what I'm going to say next. I don't want to alienate our Oh, Friends don't worry. You're going to get plenty UK. of emails from Sky to this week, to, from this. Keep no, going. <laughs> but, 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 but that was my first thought, okay? 
And and I was kind of like rolling my eyes, like there's you know there's so much going on in the world right now. How is the top story that the queen has managed to be on the throne for seventy years? And then as I was walking up the steps, it dawned on me. You know what? Whatever that is, however odd that may seem, they're having a four day weekend. A four day weekend. They they are they are shutting down Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for this celebration. No matter how goofy that seems, you know what? They aren't walking around beating the hell out of each other. They aren't walking around shooting each other. I don't know. Maybe it's useful to have some idealized vision of of royalty and monarchy and something that elevates people and makes them feel good collectively about who they are and what they are to help. I'm not saying it's the only thing, but... Whatever they're doing is working because they're not walking around shooting people, all, you know, shooting each other all the time. So no, no, they got no. something figured out that we don't. And uh, it's, you know, <laughs> but we used to talk about getting a passport so we could visit. I'm thinking about getting an a application for citizenship a so visa, I can move get out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear you. <laughs> no, I, I, I know. It's a little frustrating right now in our country. And add to our conversation we said last week about being numb you know, to the school shootings and the shootings and all it, it's, it's happening. We're seeing it. We could have, we could have opened almost every show since then about a shooting that's gone on. I mean, kids were killed in Mississippi this weekend. What two or three days in a row in a school. It's just like, Oh wait, it's just, it wasn't as many as the other one in Texas. Let's just keep moving on. And that's just crazy that we've gotten to that point. Like you said, there was an incident two hours away from me that I didn't even know about until five days later where some guy showed up with an AR-15 at a graduation party, and a woman took him out with a wow. handgun. Wow. No, no, and again, and again, hey, uh, t- t- good, t- good that somebody actually did something to intervene. But, you know, you, you, don't, you, don't, want, you don't want that to even be a story. Like, even though there was a good ending, guys showing up with an AR-15 intending to use it is the problem. Sometimes he's going to get stopped before he can do anything. Sometimes he's not going to get stopped. That's still not a good development. It didn't have a tragic, horrific outcome. But guys showing up with an AR-15 with apparent designs on using it is not good in any setting, in any context, even if there's someone else there who gets the situation taken care of. And and you do, like I said, you get, you just, I almost feel like there has to at least be 10 people killed for it to even register. Like, like the number keeps yeah, changing, exactly and shifting. Right. Like, right? You know, and uh, two or so, three is not a big deal. We're not going to waste too much time on it. That that wasn't our intent today. We are here to provide a diversion from the crazy, messed up stuff. It was my we fault. Dealing with you, have an ultimate diversion though. If you want to pay attention to the 70th anniversary platinum, apparently of the Queen as uh, the the chief member of the royal family in the UK. That, that can be your distraction for the next four days if you are so inclined to pay attention to those things. And, and happy four-day weekend to our friends in the U.K. and in Ireland. I now get it. I'm now on board with the whole concept of the royals because, again, they're doing something right. They're doing multiple things right because they aren't dealing with the crap that we're dealing with on an ongoing basis. It's not even a daily basis. It's an ongoing, continuous nightmare from which we can't awake. So we focus on football instead. Let's get to it. Some good news for the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray still doesn't have a new contract, but has decided to show up for the ongoing organized team activities. Here's his head coach, 
Cliff Kingsbury talking about having Kyler Murray at the 2022 OTAs. It's good. Yeah, it's good. I thought, um, you know, having him, having Beecham, Pugh, Hollywood, um, Hump, that's always good. A lot of starters back, and so I thought the work was good, spirited, and um, it was nice. Is he giving you indication that he's going to remain out here, or is this a one-off? You, uh, you had to show up next time and see. <laughs> We're day-to-day around here. Um, but, no, it was it was good to have him. And we've been in constant communication, and so um, we'll just kind of take it one day at a time. Is this a whole plan for him to be here for this one? Yeah, I mean, we've just been talking, and um, so I knew that he'd be here for this one. Expectation that he'll end up on the practice field if he hasn't already. I would advise being very careful about what he does on the practice field because the only guarantee he has is through 2023. He doesn't have his long-term, life-changing, generational payday. And if you would suffer some sort of a crazy fluke injury, it goes away and it possibly never comes back. And every time I say that, I think of Dak Prescott suffering the the ugly fracture of the ankle during the 2020 season and yeah. ultimately getting his major payday right. but still still was that 2020 or 2021 that was, that was 2020. 2020 my years my years yep. are getting my years are getting twisted up a little bit um but but there's still a very real risk Dak Prescott it worked out for him but for some guys it works out and some guys it doesn't you just don't want to take that chance you don't want to roll the dice with your career with your livelihood with your ability to earn what you have already proven that you deserve and maybe it's a sign they're working toward getting a deal done maybe that's the real takeaway here that they have heard enough and seen enough that they are close to landing the plane on a new contract for Kyler Murray that the Cardinals are doing enough prioritizing it finally getting past that mantra that we've heard over and over again well we've got other things to do free agency and draft free agency and draft free agency and draft we heard that last week and the draft was a freaking month in the rearview mirror come on Steve update update your your excuse for not paying Kyler Murray but maybe something's happened in recent days that has made Kyler Murray more comfortable about the possibility of being there either way look He wants to win. He wants to be great. Just like we said last week and early this week about Lamar Jackson, if you're committed to being great and you're the quarterback of the team, there's one way to do it right now. It's to be at football practice. I don't care what they call it, OTA or whatever other made-up term. It's football practice, and they're getting ready for the season, even though camp hasn't opened. Yeah, no, I hear – to me, that's where the reward is, is worth the risk of what you're talking about there. Again, the practice itself is not overly physical. The quarterback, as we know, is very protected. I do think the Dak Prescott thing you bring up is a real thing when it comes to quarterbacks. I do. Uh, again, I, I think you'd have a hard time going, wait, Kyler Murray got hurt in OTAs. He can't play. We're going to screw over our franchise guy and not pay him. So, like, maybe a little less risk to what you're talking about, but that's rare. It's still risky. I'm not not disagreeing with you, but I think the quarterback, there's a little different context there. Also, Mike, I think the other thing that comes to my mind here where, hey, it's great, like you just said. I mean, again, uh, Kyler Murray, things are on an upward trajectory. The team is on an upward trajectory. Uh, you want to maximize, you know, what you can be as a player. This is a time that helps that. So I love all that stuff. We've talked about that a lot, definitely. And I think the other thing that comes to my mind is I think this is one, this is one time where it's good that head coach represented by agent, quarterback represented by same agent, 
I do think that probably helps the conversation a little bit and helps maybe the head coach, you know, get a little bit of a feeling, even though he's talking to Kyler Murray behind the scenes about what he's really feeling and telling the agent. And, you know, he's going to be extra careful with them. There's a vested interest in them because he's his player, but it's they have a history back to college and all that. So Cliff Kingsbury's going to take care of them. But I think that relationship does help massage, get Kyler Murray in the building and, you know, maybe Cliff says things like, hey, we need you out here. Don't worry, I'll take care of you and everything like that. But we need you out here to be a leader and get this team going and some of the new guys and get on the same page, all the things we talk about. I think that could probably be a benefit in this situation. Hey, Chris, one area where that definitely helped, it put the kibosh quickly on the talk of Cliff Kingsbury being on the hot seat exactly, after right? his right. latest collapse, that graphic that we have. Cliff can't finish Kingsbury where they went from 10-2 and two to limping to the postseason and getting quickly ousted by the Rams. There was that talk about Michael Bidwell being upset, and he's livid, and he's this, and he's that. And once there was a little saber-rattling about if you do anything with Cliff, you got a problem with Kyler, next thing you know, what happens? Cliff's got himself a new contract. So there is definitely some synergy at play here when the quarterback and the head coach are represented by the same agent. And there it is can't finish i'm sorry i'm sorry it's it's fact nine years of great to pretty good start and free fall the rest of the way they're trying to turn that around and they get to have the cameras on the microphones of nfl films there this year when they do yeah great great i know you're right yeah they're gonna have to hopefully they can document you know them them turning it around as far as that you know end of the year kind of issue they have there for sure I think it just speaks, again, Cliff Kingsbury. I think there's a lot of good things there. I understand Arizona going down and extending his contract and Kyler Murray. Again, listen, the, the things are positive. Arizona's on the map here. You know, They just missed the playoffs two years ago. Last year they got in. I mean, things are going in the right direction. I don't think you just over, you know, throw that overboard and just go, well, let's just try something new. Certainly not. I mean, again, Kyler Murray's a special quarterback. He is, so you, you make that work somehow, some way. I know he's not everybody's cup of tea like we talked about, but I do think, again, Mike, I know you and I have had this conversation a lot uh, in the last two years when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals and the Cliff Kingsbury. My, my biggest thing, and when I just see that graphic there, is great energy. You know, they come out of the blocks and they got a few new wrinkles in their offense, and the offense, the base system is pretty good. So, okay, it catches people off guard, but as we've seen almost every year here, when we get to about week 8 or 10, like you always talk about, and teams start to get enough like information on what you've been doing week by week, I think Arizona is fairly easy to break down as the season goes on, and it gets a little simple, and teams start to go, I know what they're going to do in this formation or what they're going to do when this person else sets on the field, and I think that speaks to maybe their biggest issue. And, and what a surprise that they're having that issue with a head coach who had his entire coaching career almost exclusively at the college level where they yeah. only played 10, 11, 12 games. Right, now, right. Oh, we didn't There's have to worry about 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Yeah, you just go do your system and exactly. you trust your talent right. to try to carry you as Different. far as you can. Yes, so it is. That's, that's, the, that's the challenge among others to figure out what this causes. Remember, Buda Baker recently said they got comfortable down the stretch. That's on the coach. It's on the coach to keep the guys from getting comfortable. Whatever your mechanism is, the Sean Payton, don't eat the cheese. Bill Parcells yeah. in guys' faces right. when things are going well, even more aggressively when things are going aren't well. 
not well. Uh, but uh, the, you, you've got you've got to you've got to find a way to maintain the focus when you otherwise are tempted to think, "Hey, we're pretty good." Yeah, we're pretty, everybody's saying we're pretty good. Social media saying we're pretty good. Family's saying we're pretty good. Friends are saying we're pretty good. Maybe we are pretty good. The next thing you know, you get punched in the face by Tommy Pham or, uh, or someone else, <laughs> as the case may be. All right, uh, let's pivot to the Cleveland Browns, one of the issues that continues to linger over the National Football League and will until it's finally resolved is what happens with Baker Mayfield. Here is Miles Garrett, one of the top defensive players on the Cleveland Browns, with his thoughts on this still simmering yet unresolved Baker Mayfield status in Cleveland. Well, people come and go, and you know, this is one of those changes. Now, I hope the best for him, and I hope he moves on and you know, he does well for himself. I'll never wish ill on, on anyone who I've you know, went up against or played with, but uh, no, he's going to land on his feet. Uh, I think Burrow said that as well. With you know, he's he's played well uh, when he's healthy, and I think he you know when he's healthy he can he can do you know, some pretty good things for a team. You know, he just have to find his niche again. I think he has to prove himself. He has to get healthy, and uh, I think it worked out for for both teams. That really is at the core of all of this, and it doesn't get said enough. When he's healthy, he's good. He wasn't healthy last year. I know. It was such an odd thing. And those interpersonal dynamics behind the scenes overcame the very simple truth that if he hadn't tried to make a tackle after throwing an interception against the Texans in week two, it could have been a very different year for him, for the team, for everybody. And they wouldn't have Deshaun Watson now. They would have signed him to a new contract. Presumably, if he had been healthy wire to wire, they would have had no choice. The fan base would have demanded it. And I think at the end of the day, that's why they moved on to Deshaun Watson. Because their best case scenario, Chris, for the Baker Mayfield option year was he plays so well, they have to give him a $40 million or more per year contract. And then they run the risk that they're on this roller coaster where he's got good year, bad year, good year, bad year. They want a guy that's going to be good every year if they're paying $40 million plus. And at some point, they had the bright idea. Let's just go get Deshaun Watson instead. And I really do think that the idea that, that if he did have a great 2022 and they were backed into a corner financially, that may have really been something that helped bring to a head this decision to go after Deshaun Watson. But as you've said, they're trying to have it both ways. They are. They're trying to, they're trying to have Watson and keep Mayfield. And at some point, you know, this guy and, – and, hey, it's a good pitch. Maybe, maybe the Browns in their trade talks just need to play that clip from Miles Garrett because somebody is going to get a pretty good quarterback eventually, someday, yeah. we think. Yeah, I know. I, well, I think, I think first off, well, the, the, the Browns situation, yeah, there was something there that they didn't like, something as far as the number they felt like Baker Mayfield was going to ask for and him not being worth that. I don't know. That seems to be – or at least what I would think happened in this situation. And I understand, again, having the thought of, hey, when Deshaun Watson's playing, yes, he's better than Baker Mayfield. I mean, when Deshaun Watson is hitting on all cylinders and playing his best, I mean, he's one of the best in the game. There's no question. Now, it's a year out of football. We'll see, and it might be two years out of football, I think, honestly, when it's all said and done here. We'll see where that goes. But, yeah, they did Baker Mayfield dirty, and so has everybody else, really. Cleveland's done Baker Mayfield dirty. The media has done Baker Mayfield dirty. Like, the, the, the fact that people have thrown him or cast him away as, like, you know, we're like a low-level starter, I think is wrong. I think I mean, he's coming up in the Chris Sims quarterback rankings. 
And when you go back and watch Baker Mayfield and when you watch him healthy like you're talking about, there's a lot of wow factor. There is. There's a lot of things to like about his game. He is a good NFL starting quarterback who has the potential to be, in my opinion, kind of a top 10 quarterback. His arm is that special. So, yes, he's getting crushed and killed because he played tough through injury, and people are holding that against him, and that's not it's not right. And he is a starting quarterback, and it's amazing that he's still sitting here in limbo because because of Cleveland. That's just the one thing I want to make clear. Because of Cleveland, Baker Mayfield's career and this season is in limbo as far as what the hell is going to happen. One of the most telling nuggets that emerged in that relationship this offseason came from Joe Thomas, who yeah. reported or said or whatever that, that Mayfield could have had a contract worth $30 million per year, and he didn't want it. And people actually reacted to that by saying, wow, you know, basically what an idiot. He didn't. Do- well, no, 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 no. He, no, no. He's not an idiot. He's not a $30 million a year guy no. coming off of 2020. We forget about that, though. We have such short memories when it comes to how good or not good a player may be that we, we just forgot all about the stretch run of 2020, the fact that they took the Chiefs to the limit in the 2020 postseason, the divisional round. In the 2021 opener. The 2021 opener. then, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they had the they had the Chiefs on the ropes in the in the first half. It was like, oh, no, and one more score here, and they're going to they're gonna dominate the Chiefs and win the game. And, you know, week two, it wasn't much different, Mike, to your point. He looked good. He made a lot of ton of plays. Yes, he made the mistake that you have talked about a lot, and you, you're, you're probably right, and quarterback's not doing it, and, and he hurt his shoulder. And even with the hurt shoulder, still continued to play good for a little bit. But then other things started to pile on top of that. He re-injures the shoulder. There started to be a few other injuries and banged up. I believe his ribs were a little hurt at one point. So that all kind of came together and caused some issues. But, man... I will say, doing my quarterback rankings, going back and watching this guy, there's a lot of, like, whoa, high-level wow throws that the guy makes. Is he a little bit of a gunslinger and do some dumb things at times? Sure, he does. He's not perfect. But, man, he's a playmaking quarterback, and there's not a lot of those in the NFL. I'm always fascinated by guys who can master the hard parts of their job but trip over the easy parts of it. And I say that because I've made my entire career in whatever field I've been in, busting my ass to do the easy parts of the job and make people not notice that I don't know how to do the hard parts of the job. So when you see a Baker Mayfield or a Carson Wentz, guys who have high-end ability but stumble over their own two feet unforced, whether it's making a tackle when you should not be making the tackle or not being able to get along with your teammates to the point where they have a good feeling about you. Right. Between Wentz and Mayfield, they both have the talent. It's just other aspects of the job, the easy aspects of the job, the aspects of the job they should be able to figure out that they don't. And I think there's a lot of – you know what? I hadn't thought about it before right now. There's a lot of similarities between those two guys. I hear that. They both are capable of being great quarterbacks because they can do the hard parts of the job – but they can't figure out how to take care of the easy parts, or at least the parts that should be easy. Yeah, I I, I, I hear you there. It's a little different. It's a, a same scenario. I, I hear you there. I think it's a little different in that, like, you hear like Carson Wentz seems to not have much of a relationship with anybody in the locker room. Baker Mayfield seems to be, like, 
social and try to be one of the guys. Now, I don't know. Sometimes it sounds like maybe – Just don't say anything to him he doesn't like. Exactly. It might be the the ego might get in the way a little bit here with his his case a little bit, you know, or or narcissism or whatever you want to say there. I don't don't really know. That maybe rubs guys the wrong way. But I think that gets back to the point of – you know, at, at some point, yes, Cleveland, between some of those things right there, you know, who knows some of the other issues they've had to deal with behind the scenes, the price tag of maybe what he's asking for is why they didn't want to give him that big price tag or g- give him that big money because of the things you're talking about, we're talking about. If you put that all together, they just might have been, eh, well, let's try to find another option, and, and so be it if that's so. Uh, but, yeah, there's something there that he's got to correct a little bit for sure. It can't just be ego and narcissism. I mean, be, look around the league. It's, it kind of goes with the territory of being a high-end starting quarterback in the NFL. The ego but there's and a narcissism. right touch. There's a right touch. You know, right. there's a there's becomes a point where, you know, the really good quarterback sometimes can go, my fault. That was my fault. Even though they know it's the receiver's fault, like they can go, my fault. You know, I didn't throw a good spiral, though. It hit you in the face, but it, you, I didn't throw a good spiral. It was a tough ball to catch. Where I think some of the other ones can be like, it's never my fault. And when I made the wrong decision, no, I didn't. I, that was the right decision, coach. And I think that's the difference sometimes between, you know, the levels of ego and narcissism, which I should have explained a little bit better there, Mike. Thanks for pointing that but out. But you're right. The, yeah. the, there's a point where you have to flip that switch Just a, a little. little bit. Right. That ultra competitiveness. We've talked about that before. When it's an eight-year-old kid that has to win at everything, we say, Jimmy, why are you being such a little jerk? When it's a grown man who has to win at everything, we admire him. Oh, he's competitive. He has to win at everything. Well, there's a point where the competitive drive needs to take a back seat to, you know, Personal. getting along with your teammates. Exactly. Getting along exactly. with your coaches. Right. Not being an ass to the media gratuitously. That's how you, you lead some players. Game, you walk off the field like, you know, like, like somebody just stole your car and you don't go talk to the media that day because you got booed during a game that you won, yeah. but you should have won more easily because it right. was the Lions that you were playing. So that it's not it, – it's not again, it's not hard, but if it's baked into who the guy is, then maybe it is harder than, than we think. On that point, yeah. a couple of Browns players recently appeared on a podcast. I can't remember the name of the podcast. I'm looking for it here. It was something – Varsity House podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa and Greg Newsome talking about the interpersonal relationship that really caused a lot of the in-house friction last year, OBJ and Baker Mayfield. Let's have a listen to what Owosu-Koromoa and Newsome had to say about that. Odell got to be one of the best teammates I've had. No, nah, he's the... He's probably the best teammate. Yo. Like, and people be it's like... OD. It's wild how, like, the outside... From the outside, if I was looking in, it'd be like, oh, all right, yeah, cool. But yo, buddy, really, he be looking out for. He was looking out for the rookies. He went on that like, you know, yeah, no hazing. Yeah. Like after practice, he'd be like, "Hey, bro, let's work on this." Like, okay, yeah. when you do this, mm-hmm. make sure you okay. When I release you like this, make sure you stay like this. Mm-hmm. He, but the, honestly, the the crazy thing is, Baker was a great teammate too. And yes, it was dis- like it's distracting. But like I knew at the end of the day, I still got to do my you job. Yeah, right? you're right. And we played at the end of the day. We played defense, so we don't have to worry about the guy throwing us the ball. We ain't got to worry about the guy that's catching the ball. Like, we got to stop them. And, like, we control our destiny at the end of the day. They control, obviously, the quarterback, receiver, running back. They can control their own stuff. So it was distracting for sure. Like, it was definitely locker room talks. It just, like. Yeah, it was locker room talks. But it wasn't, like. But like, it wasn't, like, on locker room like, talks to the point where it's, yeah. like, let's not play. It's more like locker room talks from, like, a humorous side. Right, yeah. 
Look, here's the bottom line. And I don't know if you caught it, Chris, but when Greg Newsom was talking about Baker Mayfield, he said he was a great teammate. Not yeah. is, was. Right. And and I, I don't want to get too caught up in conjugation, but there's kind of a subtle acceptance there that Mayfield's gone. He's yeah, just gone. Right. He's not going to be there. And the team, the players know it. The team may be trying to sell something different to maximize trade compensation, but that ship has sailed. That bridge is obliterated. It's not going to be rebuilt. It's relevant because I get asked this all the time. What about Baker Mayfield playing for the Browns this year? Yeah, Deshaun right. Watson doesn't play at all. I mean, we got lawsuit number 23, and 24 is now coming. No way, and, right. You know, some, I, I, I got my hands on the 23rd lawsuit, and there's some strong stuff in there, some strong allegations, and he can vehemently deny all he wants. That doesn't make the strong allegations go away. The only thing that makes it go away is whether or not there's any credibility to the claim that's being made. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's to be proven, to be determined, and one of the realities is – they possibly will need Baker Mayfield for the full season. I just don't think at this point they can they can turn that that ship around. I, I don't think so either. And and you know and and I I don't blame Baker even if they are trying to reach out and and maybe turn it around and sell him that bill of goods. I, I don't. I mean, to me, they crossed the line there. And you know you know you, these guys, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, Newsom. I mean, star rookies, great players. You know, you you want to talk about there was there was locker room talks with OBJ and Baker Mayfield. What do you think the locker room's going to be like in Cleveland if if Baker Mayfield walks back in there again? What do you think that's going to be like? I mean that that to me is why you can't even do it, Cleveland. I mean he's going to be pissed off. It's going to cause division on your team. He's going to talk crap about everybody in the organization. I mean it's just there's no way that's going to work. You know, so, hey, I mean, Baker, Baker, even though we talked about his ego and everything here, this is one where I'll, I'll back him up for not wanting to play for Cleveland. I totally understand that. I think that's, that's uh, pretty apparent, and they've screwed him over. And I think the other thing that that clip there shows there, too, again, is something that we've tried to beat down everybody's brains, I think, for the last two or three years. Odell Beckham Jr. is loved by all of his teammates. Loved. Like, no matter what team I've ever talked to, he's been on. The Giants, everybody loved him, except for the Mara family and Eli Manning. Everybody else loved him. And, and so it's just amazing how the perception doesn't meet the reality there to, to a degree. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. Odell Beckham Jr. has this tremendous profile as, as sparked by the spectacular catch he made during the 2014 season, his rookie year in the NFL, and he built on that. He became bigger than life, bigger than the game, bigger than anything, and he's got this aura about him. And he then he does. walks through the door, and he's just a normal guy. He's just a normal guy. He and is. he's nice to everybody. He is. See, that's why I say it's, it's not hard to be nice to everybody. Maybe it's getting harder and harder in this country to be nice to everybody, but it is easy to just be nice. And, he's, and so here comes this guy that everyone's like, oh, it's Odo Beckham Jr. Uh-oh, he's a diva. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. And then he shows up, and he's really nice, and he's handing out cleats and just being a great guy. Right. Yes, that's, that's the ingredient to become beloved by the locker room. And, and I remember when they traded for him, Chris, I remember saying in this, you said it on day this one. show, day one, Cleveland is not big enough for Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. I, I thought it would work because I thought Odell could, 
be the good guy, kind of like he was there to a degree. I, I thought it would work, but you and, said it. But from that's day only going to make Baker more upset. You might be the, right. The, the nicer right. that Odell Beckham is, the more everybody's going to love him, and they're not going to love Baker. And Baker's going to get resentful and maybe not throw it to him when he's wide open. Well, I got to think that's probably the thing that made it fall apart. Well, right, and I got to think that's probably one other thing that we could add to the list today of why maybe Cleveland didn't want to. Go down the road of what? What we're gonna pay Baker Mayfield forty-five million dollars a year? You know, again, they 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 had to be disappointed that the connection between Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield didn't work. They of course traded some big-time assets to get him, and it cost them to the point where it cost their team points and yards. And that's to me where, where maybe Baker Mayfield pissed off the brass in Cleveland too. To go, wait, he's in a personal spat with this guy. And I know I showed videos on my Chris Sims Unbutton podcast, and I know Odell Beckham Jr. Sr. showed them too as well. But it was pretty apparent once you started to break down game by game and you started to go, whoa, this, this is more than just like, whoa, I've missed a guy. This, this got personal to some degree. And that's where I could see that pissing off a team too. Sorry, London. Like, I mean, here. I mean, this, this is this is the second read. He's looking to the tight end on the right to, to Odell Beckham Jr. down the middle of the field for read number two. He's looking there. I just he just doesn't do it. And there's a lot of that uh, throughout the season. So uh, I could see that being another one thing to add to the list to why maybe Cleveland didn't want to extend the relationship with Baker Mayfield. And these are clips from the video that ultimately paved the way for Odell Beckham Jr to be released by the Browns when he wasn't traded. Remember that all started the day of the trade deadline. LeBron James, free OBJ, the video comes out. They really pushed the right buttons to get Odell Beckham out of Cleveland. And he landed with the Rams and he won a Super Bowl. And we know what happened during the Super Bowl. He suffered the torn ACL again and he's still unsigned. But um, look, that's part of the problem. And that's where, through that relationship, you may be absolutely right that the Cleveland Browns organization came to the conclusion that that Baker Mayfield is lacking in some respect before we're going to give him 40 gotta million be a year, something he gotta is be lacking something. right and we can't trust him to be the year in and year out guy uh because th- there's there's an easy aspect of the job or an aspect of the job that should be easy that he is just unable or unwilling to even try to master and the one hope I have before we move on from the Browns the one hope I continue to have for the Cleveland Browns and for Chief Strategy Officer Paul D. Podesta. And again, That's your we favorite hope that phrase. That implies that that implies good strategy, not bad strategy. I really hope that they are not thinking about playing this game with Baker Mayfield, where you know they've got this flow chart. Okay, um, we, we hope he stays away. We're going to try to nudge him to stay away while we continue to to wait for a Teddy Bridgewater injury or some other thing to fall out of the sky so we can actually not have to pay him $18.8 million and maybe get a draft pick in return and, and solve this problem without him being here being a distraction. But if he does show up, like, I hope they're not trying to bait him into acting up so they can cut him under the Earl Thomas reasoning from a couple of years ago that the Baltimore Ravens employed when he had a $10 million salary guaranteed for skill, injury, and cap. And they said, well, we cut you for a different reason. We cut you because of personal conduct that was detrimental to the best interest of the team, not because of skill, injury, or cap, so you get nothing. You know, if, if Jimmy Haslam has gone to Paul D. Podesta 
and kind of nudged him toward cooking up a strategy that entails baiting Baker Mayfield to cross a line because they know him. They've had him for four years. They know how to press his buttons. They know how to piss him off. Will they try? And I hope they don't, although for business reasons, I kind of hope they do. For the Browns' sake, I hope they don't try to play that game with him to get him to cross some sort of a line that they draw in the sand or the cement, as the case may be, <laughs> and, 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 and your, your phrase, and, and get Mayfield to do something. You know, it's like the old, but you, you put the, you know, you put the chip on your shoulder. That's what the whole thing is. I have here, knock it off. Like I'm daring you to do something. I dare you. Yeah. I dare you to give me a reason to punch you. I hope they don't dare Baker Mayfield to give them a reason to cut him under contrived circumstances to try to save the salary they otherwise owe him. Yeah, I just, you, you, you would think Baker, you know, hopefully is, is up on that and realizes he's got to be careful. He's been quiet. He's been out of the, you know, the, the, the limelight. So we haven't heard much for him. I, I know I do. I do wonder, though, I mean, does it ever come to a point where he does start to think to show up? Does he do that? I don't know if it ever comes to that point or not. I mean, obviously, they don't want him around, but he might have to call their bluff. I just I'll be interested to see if it ever gets to that point. But, you know, again, I, I know Baker Mayfield is not the easiest human being to deal with, or at least it seems that way. I don't want to say that. I don't know him personally like that, but it certainly seems by things we've talked about here on this show. But, but at the same time, still, I'll just go back to Cleveland. You gave him the fifth-year option. You extended this. You know, you've really botched this whole situation, and now you're going to screw over this guy to a degree, really, professionally. There's really no other way to say it. Even though I know he hasn't been the perfect citizen for your organization, he's still been pretty damn good. You guys have been put on the map because of Baker Mayfield in a lot of ways. And you did go to the playoffs for the first time in forever under Baker Mayfield. And this is how they're rewarding you there. It's, that's, it's still screwed up in my eyes, at least as an ex-player. Um, we'll see how it goes. I mean, again, they know how I think to manipulate him if they are tempted to do so. And if he does show up, he needs to tread lightly and he needs to be careful because they're going to be watching and they're going to be baiting and they're going to be hoping that he says something, does something that allows them to cut him and say, there went your $18.8 million salary fully guaranteed. You know, that, that would be their option. If they just can't trade him, if they just can't trade him without having to pay a big chunk of the salary. And the report emerged last week that the Panthers wanted the Browns to pay 13 to 14 million dollars as part of a trade. We talked about that earlier in the week. Their their get out of jail free card, their get out of 18.8 million free card literally is to is to set up a scenario where he would act up, cross a line and then. And then they dump him. And there would be a grievance that would last for multiple years after the fact. But they, they could ultimately win. They could win and avoid paying him the full 18.8. Or, or they could settle it for half at some point down the road or something like that. I would just be very concerned that one of the, this one of the strategies that Chief Strategy Officer Paul DePodesta has been asked to cook up is a strategy for possibly getting rid of Baker Mayfield without owing him a penny. Um, real quickly, and this popped up yesterday, and, and it was a report from a radio station in Charlotte. Sheena Quick suggested that the Seahawks have interest 
in Cam Newton. That was something that came out over the weekend. And, hey, it's June 1. We were debating internally, do we go with this story? And I said, it is June 1. So that, that you, maybe that means yes. That we, you know, April 1, March 1, eh, who knows? June 1, kind of slow. We acknowledge it. You know, people will say on Twitter in reaction to some of our stories, slow news day. If it's June, yes, slow news day. So uh, the Seahawks, could that be a destination for I, Cam Newton? I know. I, 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 do you think that there would be anything to the merit of possibly considering Cam Newton uh, to, to add to the Geno Smith-Drew Locke pairing in Seattle? I, I just don't see it or can't quite logically make sense of it, at least in, in my opinion. Mike, maybe you have a different take and you could talk me into it here. But, uh, man, I just would think that would kind of muddy the waters in Seattle a little bit. Uh, again, it's it's you're in the process of trying to get a you know figure out a quarterback here, all right? Geno Smith, Drew Locke, and now you're going to throw Cam Newton into the mix, right? And I don't think Cam Newton, in a lot of ways, is as good a passer as those two guys. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if that really helps your situation all that much. I don't know what you're trying to do there. You know, I mean, we saw. I mean, there's some issues with Cam Newton's game. You know, he was managed to a degree in New England. I thought maybe he would improve a little bit last year when he got his chance to play for Carolina. And we saw there's still issues with, you know, being high level within the pocket at this point of his career and making, you know, great throws and big time and having big time decisions. So uh, I don't see that. And, I, you know, the Panthers thing, too, I think it's a little risky as well. and to me, it's almost a little bit of a distraction. I got a lot of respect for Cam Newton, um, but I don't know. This is one story. I don't know if I'm going to totally buy quite yet until maybe I hear a few other credible people in the business really tell me that there's real interest from these teams. I really do think. And look, the Panthers have said the door's open. Scott Fritter told me a few weeks ago they're still communicating with you believe it? Cam Newton. Well, or are they saying it to like, you know, it's Cam and it's a good thing for Carolina? Go ahead. Sorry. I think they would make the move if they get to the point where they got last year. It's like, you know what? We're not very good. We still are an entertainment business that requires people to show up and be excited. So let's give them what they want. There's still people here that love Cam Newton, and it reminds them that there was once a great team here that made it to a Super Bowl and almost won it with Cam Newton at quarterback and even though he's still built the same and looks the same he's not the same player that he was but we can do a few things to let him score a touchdown and you know he can have the grand entrance like he always had and get everybody excited and feeling good and score a touchdown and this is a good thing gives the ball to a kid that he spots in the front row these are all good things it's part of the entertainment of sports if your team's not going to be very good so I could see if Sam Darnold has the same kind of experience that he had last year. If they don't think Matt Corral is ready, then, you know, if they get to the point where by Halloween it's clear they're not going to be a contender at a high level in the NFC, then then maybe Cam Newton is a guy who comes back just to make the fans feel good and make them want to show up for the games. So yeah. that makes sense to me. Look, the, 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 even though he has only been in the league since 2011, we see Tom Brady, who entered the league 11 years earlier, still going strong at age 44, soon to be 45. Cam Newton just physically, and this is the product of all, and this is Lamar, this is why you need to get your money while you can. This is the product of all those years of the seemingly indestructible Cam Newton getting hit and beaten around. And, you know, remember they used to not throw the flag because he's a giant. They're hitting him low. They're hitting him high. They're hitting him illegally. Ah, 
He's fine. He's big enough. He's still made of the same stuff as everybody else, though. Yeah. And at some point, that stuff's going to wear out. No and doubt. I feel like he's gotten to that point where the body's worn out. He's had too many injuries, too much overall wear and tear. He's not the guy that he used to be. Yeah, I think that's fair, Mike. It is. It, it's a shame. You're right. I mean, you laid it out perfectly. This is, you know, forget the most physical quarterback in the history of the sports. This guy was physical for any position. I mean, again, just go back to 2014, 2015, 2016. Oh, it's third and two. What is Carolina going to do? They're going to pull the backside guard, and they're going to ask Cam Newton to follow him and take on a linebacker head-to-head and go drive the pile forward for the first down here, big guy. I mean, yeah, I don't care who the hell you are. He's made, he's made of granite, but damn, you know, he's hitting guys that are made of granite too. Bobby Wagner and company and some of those people he's had to go up to, I mean, they're, they're also Greek gods in the way they're built. And it's just it's caught up to him, and it's a shame. It 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 is, but yeah, I don't know. I, that Panthers Seahawks one. Uh, as much as I love Cam Newton and I'm a fan of his, I don't know if that would make sense to me if I was the GM of of either one of those teams. You know, it's funny for all of the high end strategizing and analytics and X's and O's, and when you see a guy like Cam Newton, it is it is impressive. It is. it is yes. intimidating. And right. for a coach, it has to be intoxicating to say exactly yeah. what you said. Right. Go take on that linebacker because you're big enough to push that guy all the way into the front row. And he is, but there's a price to be paid for doing yeah. that year after year, game after game, drive after drive. And that, that is one of the reasons why the sun is setting prematurely on the Cam Newton career. Let's take a break. The sun's still rising on the congressional investigation of the Washington Commanders and the NFL. A couple of invitations, important invitations, were sent out yesterday for an event that is coming up in fewer than three weeks. We'll get up to speed on all of that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. When the U.S. House Oversight and Reform Committee began investigating the Washington Commanders and the NFL in October of last year when they started asking for documents and materials. I know that the NFL's biggest concern was to mobilize in a way that nudged the committee away from ever having a hearing. And there's a certain percentage of these investigations that ever become a hearing, and it's not a huge deal until there's a full-blown hearing. Well, guess what? There's going to be a full-blown hearing. The effort to lobby the committee away from a full-blown hearing has failed. June 22, it's happening, and two key invitations have been sent. They would like testimony from Commissioner Roger Goodell and Washington Commander's owner, Daniel Snyder. That fell out of the sky yesterday. It was a statement that was sent out by the Oversight and Reform Committee. That is huge. That is significant. And lost in the news was the yeah. fact that they're having the hearing because the headline was they want Goodell and Snyder. Well, presumably they would. I, I think they also should want Beth Wilkinson there too. 
that she's a pretty key piece in this. Now, she would probably invoke attorney-client privilege over and over again at the direction of the NFL and or the commanders. But Snyder and Goodell, wow, wow. And that is must-see TV if that happens. Now, I don't expect it's going to happen. And both the league and the commanders said they will respond in a timely manner. And the commanders actually said we look forward to responding. Yeah, I'm sure you look forward. I'm sure you look forward to dealing with this public body that is ready to have a contentious hearing at which you would be grilled and forced to give some, any transparency about this thing that the NFL and the commanders have successfully hidden for 11 months and a day now, because it was July 1 of last year when this all got started with no transparency. They didn't want to tell us anything about what Beth Wilkinson had learned, because as I believe, if any of that came out, it would be obvious that Daniel Snyder can't continue as the owner of the team. So, so you so, don't think this Chris, is going to happen? You don't think this will be this will actually go down on, on June 22nd? How do they wiggle I, out of look, it if they do? How does that happen? They haven't been subpoenaed, so they don't have to be there. So it's more of a PR play for now. Could they subpoena them? Yes, they could. I think what Congress likes to do is to not have to go that route. They want people to choose to be there. They want people to show respect for the institution. We've invited you. We've requested your attendance at this hearing. They want them to say, yes, it's part of the dance that gets done. So we'll see how much respect the league and the team will have for this we'll see what their response is and both institutions the league and the team issued statements that point out all the cooperation that they've provided all the documents they've provided well the committee would say they've been stonewalled just because you've given us a big stack of documents doesn't mean you've given us a stack of the documents we actually want yeah you've just given us a bunch of documents that hey we've we've given four hundred thousand documents well they could be completely meaningless we don't know what they are but I, I, I always get nervous when I see when someone is asked to cooperate now, if their initial response is, well, we've we've offered plenty of cooperation. It's almost like a setup, like, you know, we've done plenty. How much more do you want? We've given you all these documents. We're, sorry, we've done everything that we're willing to do here. We've cooperated. You can't say we haven't cooperated, even though they will. We've cooperated and, you know, we, we don't see the need to expose the commissioner and or Daniel Snyder to a partisan effort to, you know, yada, 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 talking point, talking point, whatever the case may be. But I, I hope they're there. I, I, I will I will uh, get up early that morning to pop the popcorn if that goes down with Goodell and Snyder there to testify because it will be compelling if it happens, which makes me think that they will be determined to not be there. Or if they're there, they will be so aggressive in invoking privileges and protections that on any good question, they're not going to give us an answer. Are you surprised that it's it's Goodell's being asked to? I mean, didn't you think this was going to be just a Washington issue? It seems like... No, no. It's always been the Washington investigation, the things that happened there, plus how the league handled it. There's always been that other prong to it where the league brushed it under the rug. The league has has the power to inject more transparency into the discussion, and they've chosen not to do so. It's always been both. And, you know, the, the problem is the NFL has tried to get the commanders to be more cooperative, and there's been infighting among them. That, the, to the extent that you can pit them against each other, 
th- there's a chance that maybe at some point Goodell just gets exasperated. And maybe he decides at the end of the day, at the prompting of some of his partners, at some of, not his partners, but the, the owners who, who employ and pay him, they come together and say, hey, this is our opportunity. Let's just have Roger go down to Congress and tell it like it is about Snyder. And maybe a groundswell emerges that just washes Snyder right out of the position and forces him to sell anyway. So th- there's all sorts of ways this can go. But I think it's always been both team and league. And I, I, I hope they both show up. At a minimum, I hope Goodell shows up. I can't, ima- I can't imagine Snyder showing up without a subpoena. I can't imagine him voluntarily doing it. I'd be stunned if he does. Wow. I, I mean, it, it, to me, it would be a little risky if they didn't show up or it's just not going to look good in the court of public opinion. That would be the one thing I'd be worried about if I'm the NFL a little bit. You know, the NFL is under a little bit of a microscope right now with some of the issues like this and the Deshaun Watson thing to where, you know, again, football's king. We know that. We love it. But there's certainly a lot of people kind of like, man, it seems like they don't have quite their ducks in a row like I expected. And, you know, there's there's a little more foul play or, or things going on like that in the league than I think people might have you know, thought originally. So I, I'm just uh, – I'll be interested to see the approach as far as Goodell and what Daniel Snyder do here. This is what they don't want. They don't want that scrutiny. They want to be able to do the things that they want to do in the best interest of business, in the best interest of maximizing profit and running things the way they want. They resent, they abhor the idea of any external party exercising oversight of the league they always resist that so yeah they've got to hate this i mean here's roger goodell he's going to shut down and go to his house in wherever you know it's summertime new hampshire or something like that and and nope roger sorry sorry uh, I, not that i feel bad for the guy that's making 64 million a year but sorry you don't get to shut it down in june you're going to be preparing to go to capitol hill and testify to the uh, congressional committee and you know how these things go what happens is it will go from member to member and it'll be a democrat who grills him mercilessly for five minutes and then it'll be a republican who makes it about everything but why they're there because and I'm, i'm sorry but that's just the way it is the democrats are in power they are far more likely to be aggressive with the nfl and with the commanders and 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 again it is politicized on both sides You'll see you'll see political theatrics on both sides and Goodell and Snyder are going to be caught in the gears of it. And Goodell's not going to want to do that. And it's going to be five minutes of just sitting there and hearing things that you like to hear because the member of Congress isn't coming after you aggressively. And then five minutes of being aggressively grilled by somebody else. And again, must see TV, set your DVRs or whatever you use now to record your shows Watch it live if you can. It's going to be awesome if it happens. And between now and then, there's going to be plenty of drama, Chris, as to what they decide to do, what explanation they give. But you're right. It is risky to not show up. The last time they did this, 2009, that I recall, I'm sure it's happened since then, it was Goodell and Demora Smith when Congress said, we want to get to the bottom of what you're doing or not doing about head injuries. And that was the hearing in October of 2009 that forced the league to wake up and take care of the issue with concussions. That was the spark that prompted all the changes that have, that have gone on for the past 13 years. Once Congress started sniffing around in the NFL's backyard, the NFL realized, we better clean this up. 
or they're going to do it for us, and we're not going to like how they do it. Yeah, I, well, that's where, like, it, it kind of is funny because I, I, this is where I was just about to go. You actually lead me perfectly there. I wonder how much they regret right now going, I wish we were a little more aggressive in cleaning up this Washington thing and maybe not – you know, trying to kind of have it both ways where we're like, yeah, we're doing an investigation, but we're going to make Daniel Snyder happy, too, and not piss him off that much. It kind of seems like they wanted it both ways a little there. And now, yeah, oh, crap, yep, yep, the uh, House Committee wants to talk to you now. I got to think the NFL has a little regret on how maybe they handled this situation with the commanders. That whole game, that whole ruse, the report yeah, landing right. on Thursday, July 1, as we entered into what was a de facto four-day, 4th of July weekend, because people were off the second Friday, third and fourth were the weekend, people were off the fifth on the Monday, five days later, it had been forgotten, it was gone, it was erased, and I remember when it all landed, thinking, wait a minute, they're not going to, where's the report, where's the Ted Wells report, Where's the chapter and verse details of what Beth Wilkinson found? She investigated for 10 months. What did she find? What were the allegations? What were the conclusions? What are her recommendations? None of it was put in writing. As 106.7 The Fan reported last year and as we confirmed back in February, it wasn't put in writing because if it would have been put in writing, one of the things that was in writing would have been, I recommend that Daniel Snyder be forced to sell the team. That's how bad it was. So... They got away with it. Let's remember that side of it, too. It worked. It worked until somebody weaponized a sliver of the emails to take out John Gruden. That's the ultimate irony I know. of the John Gruden takedown. If they had never done that, there never would have been a reason to pivot back to what in the hell happened last July. So, uh, yeah, in hindsight, bad strategy. <laughs> Whoever the chief strategy officer is at 345 Park Avenue – Bad strategy, but only because somebody leaked those Gruden emails. That's what blew this whole thing up. And and that's why, even though the commissioner downplayed it last week, because what's he going to say? Yeah, you know what? All the owners are talking about. How the hell do we get rid of Daniel Snyder? He's not going to admit to that. But that's why there is this groundswell, because he's causing these problems. He's causing this scrutiny. He's causing these difficulties in how they do business. He's making them all look bad. Right. He's making them all look bad. If you've got a group of friends and one of your friends is making the rest of the guys look bad, what happens? That guy's out. He's gone. He's making us all look bad. You're gone. Sorry, we can't hang out with you anymore. We're not going to text you anymore. We're not going to call you anymore. We're not going to invite you over anymore. You're out because you're making us all look bad. Snyder is making them all look bad, and I think they're all getting to the point where they've had enough of it. Yeah, that's where it's a little bit of a slippery slope because the subject is not that far off from the Deshaun Watson thing, too. It's workplace misconduct. It's the mistreatment of women, and that's going on with the Deshaun Watson case, too, to where you tie it all together. That's where I just go – Man, I don't know. The NFL, they're going to avoid this testimony and not answer some of these questions head on. I think it's going to make them look a little worse in some ways, but maybe you just take that lump, like you said, and hope it goes away, which they, you know, they seem to usually have a good feel for that. So that'll be uh, interesting to see how they approach it. Excellent point, too. We need to take a break. But, but if and when the commissioner shows up for this hearing, you don't know what the questions are going to be. He could get grilled about how he has handled Deshaun Watson. I, yeah. He could get grilled about anything that falls under this broader umbrella of misbehavior, misconduct, anything that even remotely ties back to why they're there. And I, I'd like to think by June 22, 
will know something about Deshaun Watson. But, you know, here's where it's also going to be a problem for Roger Goodell. And we've talked about this a few times recently. When you're in a press conference setting, you get a question, you say whatever you want in response, and then it moves on to the next reporter who's got a completely different question. That's how it works 95% of the time. When you got five minutes and you ask him a question, you ask him a question, he gives you a non-answer. The next question is, sir, you did not answer my question. This is my question. Will you please answer it? That's not what you get at a press conference. That is what Roger Goodell is going to get on Capitol Hill. So popcorn ready. Not yet because it gets stale. Popcorn will be ready. We'll be off. Oh, shoot. We'll be off that day. Well, you'll we'll be, be able to write lots of articles. You'll be able to write oh. lots of articles. Don't call me. I, oh, I'll I be off. Don't ask me for anything. <laughs> also, also, all I got to do is press a button, and I can I can talk for four or five minutes or however long I want, and right. put the video on PFT. So we'll be yeah. doing we'll be doing that. We will cover it every way we can when it happens, and it is going to be uh, memorable. Whatever goes down, it should be a very interesting day on Capitol Hill on June 22. Let's take a break. We will have more PFT live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 